Hi, Karen here. Welcome to this cast interview for season two. You are about to hear myself and four voice actors discuss all sorts of things uh, connected to Y2K and voice acting and all sorts of random tangents. Before we start, I wanted to give you a heads up. There is swearing in this episode. And also, we will be spoiling some episodes and storylines. So first of all, we will be spoiling the Cat Jono storyline from season one. It isn't mentioned all that much, but there are some very specific events that are mentioned. Um, that if you haven't listened to season one and you don't like spoilers might want to go listen to season one before you listen to this. Also, uh, we are talking about episodes four and episode seven, mainly, of season two. And we do spoil specifically episode four, that's Emma's episode, extensively. We also have mildish spoilers for episode seven. And there are some more like teasers, really for episodes 11 and 12 of season two. Uh, so very, very, very mild uh, spoilery things in there. This episode was recorded in the summer of 2021. It was recorded remotely, so you can sometimes hear that the microphones are different for different people, and that's because we're not actually in the same room. But I've tried to edit that uh, as smoothly as possible. I think that's it. Okay, enjoy. Welcome to this uh, cast interview for Y2K Season 2. My name is Karen Heimdall, and I am the creator and producer and writer of this show. With me, I have four amazing voice actors, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Uh, why don't we start with Nathan? Hi, hi, hello. I am your androgynous Android game show host from the future, Nathan Blades. I am a tabletop RPG designer, streamer, voice actor, and general ne'er-do-well. Uh, my pronouns are he, they, and I play Grey on uh, Season 2, Episode 4. Brilliant. And where in the world are you, Nathan? I am uh, beaming into you from absolutely <laughs> not sunny Manchester. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, heading over to Jackie. Hi, I'm Jackie Hedeman. I play Captain Sophie Green on the Pasithea Powder, which I also co-created, co-write all that good jazz, all the Orson Welles things. Um, <laughs> I'm really excited to play Heather on season two, episode seven of Y2K. Mm -hmm. um, and I am speaking to you now from my closet in Lawrence, Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, heading over to Pear. Uh, hello. I go by Pear. Um, I use she, they pronouns for the moment. You may have noticed Pear is not a real name. That is because I'm between names right now. Um, I'm recording from a room in the Netherlands that's semi-padded. <laughs> and yeah, I, I do voice acting work on a freelance basis on and off. I don't really have a big thing to uh, associate myself with, but yeah, bit more loose. Oh, right. Um, I play Buck in what I think is episode six, seven? Seven. Seven. S same as Jackie. <laughs> Yay. 
episode seven represent, right? Uh, okay, uh, Christy. Um, so, hey everyone, I am Kirsty Wolven and I play uh, Olivia, which you will all know and hopefully love from season one. Um, I am uh, coming back for seasons, um, not seasons, I'm coming back for episodes 11 and 12. <laughs> yes, exactly. It, it takes a long time. We have to wait a long time for Olivia for season two, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and where in the world are you? Christy? Oh, I forgot. I am um, um, I am uh, coming in from uh, Worcestershire, where it is also equally mank. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I forgot to say that uh, I am in uh, Gothenburg, Sweden, and we've had a beautiful uh, spring day today. But it's getting dark because it's evening where I am. Okay, lovely. I am so excited to talk to you. I also need to mention that this is not, I did not sort of, uh, we have over 48 voice actors for season two. I did not select. I asked you to volunteer. <laughs> so I am so grateful that all for four of you uh, decided to volunteer for this cast interview. Okay, I wanted to actually start with uh, a question about your characters for Y2K. And I wanted to, you to talk a little bit about uh, who they are and if they're anything like you or completely not like you and what is different and what is similar and what is uh, maybe weird, I don't know, uh, what you like about them and what you don't. And again, I'd like to start with Jackie, actually, because I haven't talked to you that much about Heather. All right. Um, <laughs> first of all, I loved playing Heather. Um, Heather is a mom. She's in Paris. She's really busy. Um, yep. And I, when I was 10, my mom, who's a art history professor, had a sabbatical in Paris, and I went to a bilingual school while I was there, and I met a lot of these moms. Um, <laughs> and so it was a delight to sort of enter into this space of this person who is nothing like me in that uh, <laughs> she seems to have her stuff together. Can we swear on this? <laughs> yes. Okay. She absolutely. seems to have her shit together and it seems to be loving life and enjoying it, which I periodically do. And um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, inhabiting that energy of someone who is um, joyfully busy and uh, maybe that's a problem. But she doesn't see it that way. Um, was a nice break from reality. <laughs> I love that. I actually uh, because uh, Heather is Tammy's mom, and Tammy is a character uh, Olivia's friend from season one, and also in season two. And, and I wanted her to have a, a really sort of busy energy mom, mm. uh, and I think that is really what you represent there. Uh, and she's sort of a high flyer. She's a diplomat, uh, and her husband is uh, sort of more of a homebody he bakes a lot he stress bakes when she's away and uh, my husband Bjorn actually voices that character and he the character is based on him he is a dad who stress bakes and stress cooks <laughs> and stress makes pizza and uh, his wife uh, makes all the money so yeah there we go uh, that was an easy character to write uh, <laughs> and a really fun one to voice uh, I love that I love that and I think that I just there's an energy there where um, Heather is sort of really energetic versus Tammy, who's 19 years old and doesn't really want to do anything in this mm. episode. So, yeah, there's a sort of contrast in energy. Uh, this kind of leads us over to Pear and your character, because we're in that episode, right? 
Uh, yeah, I think uh, we're entirely separated by uh, by scenes, mm. but yep. it is the same episode. Yes, but you also meet Tammy. Mm. Yeah, in your scene. Yeah, uh, and who is Puck? Yeah, I'd say Puck is. Uh, well, first of all, it was kind of fun to uh, workshop the name for Puck because I. Uh, we did that together, yeah. yeah by email. Because <laughs> uh, actually, um, fun fact, like, uh, it it was more of a like, uh, okay, that seems legit. When I, uh, <laughs> I, I I looked up a list of you know of non-binary Dutch names on mm-hmm. a website, and mm-hmm. being from the Netherlands, I, I at least have you know can parse that as oh, this seems like mostly real names. Like whoever made this was being serious. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I have not actually met people named Buck before. Uh, but mm. I have run into some of them since suggesting that name. So ah, that that is great. You willed them into the world. Awesome. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you did. I must use this power only for good. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. And of course, I loved it because I was like, oh, A Midsummer Night's Dream and Shakespeare and that sort of... And I, I sort of wrote that a little bit into the character as well, that, that they are a little bit sort of playful and voices like does weird voices and has little jokes and things like that don't know if you noticed <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah no it, it is like uh i i have not read like i mean summer night's dream but i do associate the name with the true fae which is mm. um not an uncommon theme for like non-binary <laughs> people i know to mm-hmm. uh just like yeah uh I so, can attest that's yeah. real. <laughs> it's, it's, it's somewhat cool. popular. It's, it's not that, that every single non-binary person is an unknowable fae, but, you know. I a, mean, a as far as anybody else is aware, at least. But... <laughs> the masquerade. Uh, but, yeah, as, as far as, like, being a nerd and having terrible jokes, I, I'd say that I can identify with the character, at least a little bit. Uh, they do have a major in, uh, or are planning on a major in um, architecture, mm-hmm. which means they have some degree of spatial memory, which is where the, uh, the similarities end, like, completely. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I actually gave, uh, I, I make uh, Puck say, uh, I love floor plans as a, an explanation for why they want to study architecture, because all, there are three sort of nerd friend characters. There's Tammy and there's Puck and there's Lou, and all three of them are sort of super smart and super non-ambitious. And we meet them in the summer between uh, sort of high school and university, uh, and it's one of those one of those things where uh, I wanted Puck, they they are they basically are all surprised at each other's choices, because they're all sort of high achievers in school, so no one can sort of guess. Um, and also they're nerds, they're D and D nerds, uh, which is more interesting to them than uh, actually the 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 whole university thing. Uh, cool. So uh, as we were talking about Tammy, of course Tammy. <laughs> Then in that episode, decides to go to Birmingham where she meets Olivia. So let's talk to Kirsty about Olivia. Um, so uh, for, for me, um, I find that there there can be quite a lot of similarities between uh, me and Olivia. So um, the uh, one of the things that I first noticed back in uh, season one is that um, we both live in the general area. I live pretty near Birmingham for for those that that, mm. that don't know UK geography that well. 
and um, also as a kid um, I had um, uh, like a real big uh, interest in uh, geography so uh, where I grew up in Dorset is something called the Jurassic Coast and um, you can just mm. um, so you go to down to uh, West Dorset um, one place in particular called Lyme Regis and you don't hunt for fossils they're just there on the beach and you can just go away and and, and take them and the uh, the Natural History Museum they do like um well obviously probably not now because covid and pandemic but in the before times they would come down for like two weeks in the summer and kind of do like a tour of the jurassic coast and they'd like help you identify any fossils that you found and do like fun and cool activities for kids like my age when i was that age um and i think just in her general demeanor like when i record i naturally smile a lot um with <laughs> Olivia even in the script it does make notes saying oh smile but I'm finding that <laughs> often I'm I'm already smiling um so I um that's like yeah. one of the um other similarities I find with uh, Olivia as well yeah what's it been like for you Kirsty because Olivia of course was in every almost every episode of season one and now we've had a whole season two where she doesn't turn up until the two final episodes has that been weird for you it has been really weird, but thinking back on the recording schedule for season one, yeah. I have no idea how I did that. For season one, I would often <laughs> spend neither. a whole day recording once a month. Yeah. And I don't know how I did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was amazing. It was a lot of text for Olivia. Oh, my gosh. Mm. No, like almost no monologues this season as well. Yeah. It was basically, yeah, that's <sighs> true. Dialogue, dialogue. Actually, you were saying when Tammy turned up in your episodes, you were like, oh, yeah, I get to talk to someone. Yeah, I know. Olivia, <laughs> before that was just doing her own monologues, yeah. of course. Ah, uh, lovely. Okay, Nathan, uh, who do you play? Yes, yes, yes. As uh, said, I play Grey on uh, mm -hmm. episode four of the second season. Uh, Grey is a... I think he's a, he's an assistant producer. He's not a researcher, right? He's he's being paid more than that. Um, <laughs> he's a researcher, yes. Oh, but he has okay, a, right, right, right. I, I I always I just kind of assumed uh, that he had a better lot in life than I did, um, <laughs> because I, uh, uh, for the majority of my professional career, have worked as a researcher in broadcasting. I did not know that. Oh no, I I, I was wondering whether you knew that or not when you gave me the oh, role. No. I was like, oh, this is very apt. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um, what 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 mistakes did i make in writing the episode <laughs> no uh, well i was about to say uh, depending on kind of what area in broadcasting you are a researcher for especially mm -hmm. if you're working under somebody who's like in development or designing tv uh, mm -hmm. there are a lot of instances where like i have a really broad idea that i think is true and will work but i do not have the time to go and check if it's true and will work so i will have a researcher or if i'm lucky researchers go and look that up and make it real mm. and that isn't always true like you could you know the your your boss can be like oh absolutely this is a thing that's real and then you can go away and do the research and they'll be like sorry mate it's not a thing it's like no 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 it's a thing look harder <laughs> so uh, which kind that, of is what, ha what happens in the yeah episode. yeah the fact that that uh, reflects very very uh, closely <laughs> in in the episode I found I found very okay. very um, uh, true to life very true to life um, as for Grey as a character 
Um, mm. I mean, you know, I, I largely presented as a, as a gay man through my mm-hmm. professional career also, and <laughs> but not really one who has settled with mm. uh, the one guy, like, yeah. and married and locked into that kind of um, uh, relationship. And uh, yeah. his character in that episode is very much, oh, I've had this very specific experience where I found somebody who was the one and settled down there immediately. And my worldview <laughs> isn't quite wide enough to be able to understand uh, what my friend's situation is going through. But gosh darn it, mm. I'm going to try. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, exactly. Which is very cute of him. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he's, he's, he's also very patient. I, I think if I was, uh, uh, I, I must admit, if I was in a similar kind of circumstance, circumstance and uh, uh my colleague kind of opened up to me being kind of like oh man i'm having these really complex relationship issues that i'm working mm. through at the moment i'm like i'm sorry to hear that but if i don't find these files by like 5 p.m i'm going to scream <laughs> and maybe melt into a puddle of goo and unfortunately that's going to take priority so gray is actually a really kind person <laughs> um, he is. but yeah yeah <laughs> I am assuming we won't actually get the scene where Grey turns into a bottle of goo. Oh, um... <laughs> we didn't record it yet. <laughs> no, didn't, didn't, didn't record it. But uh, I have a feeling that uh, with the way that episode ends, uh, with it all being a, a, a moment of uh, futile frustration, he may be turned into a puddle of, puddle of goo for 30 seconds and then reformed to continue on the next project. Oh, that is good because that will not trigger a world-ending event because we all know what happens when Grey turns into goo. Mm, 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 mm. and it's the it's the y2k deep law uh, if you continue yes. subscribing to the patreon if you back at the highest tier you'll find out why but yeah, um... you will have access to the secret wiki <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 for sure i i am sort of hearing the fan fiction brains starting as the listeners are going okay wait what's going on here real talk that. real talk when you first kind of when i first uh, heard about y2k um mm-hmm. because uh you were at a uh, pod uk last yes. two years ago time is fake um yes and i was kind of like oh is this like a uh, like a magical realism like sci-fi kind of thing uh based on I've the style of the name and then i was like a oh lot. it's very grounded i see <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> I, I've had that a lot, and, and maybe I should have named it something else, but, you know, I didn't, so that's what it's called. But, yeah, a lot of people think it's going to be about, you know, the year 2000 and the world is ending. And it kind of is, but in a but sort like of on a personal level, emotionally, <laughs> for people. For sure, for sure. I was going to say that that actually ties into the, the semi-question I had prepared. Oh, let's go for that. That works. <laughs> because uh, I, I've, like listened to uh, three episodes, the first three of uh, season two, and it mm-hmm. seems to be a very, um, yeah, sort of, they seem to be pretty standalone, and yeah. the main uh, through line I could connect was that it all seems to be centering on vignettes at pivotal moments in people's life, and mm-hmm. I did actually, like, it's funny you should say, like, Y2K and the end, because mm. I was reminded of the Death Tarot card. Like, that was oh. the, uh, the main thematic line I was getting from it. Right. Sudden irreversible change. Yeah. Is that a question for me, maybe? Uh, yeah, basically, like, is that... Yeah. Um, because obviously I'm only getting that from three episodes sort of in the middle. So it, yeah. is that actually an intended theme? Is that just uh, something that comes out of your writing style? Well, I think 
Okay. So uh, season one is what connects season two. So season two can be listened to in sort of almost any order, though you will in some episodes have season one spoilers. Um, but season two can definitely be listened to as standalone episodes and you will just go, okay, here's the story and the story is completed within the episode. But of course you will know a lot more about the characters if you listen to all 54 episodes of season one. So that is sort of how that connects. Uh, and Kirsty is going, oh yeah, all the 54 episodes, uh, of which you are in 51, I believe. So, you know, uh, a lot. Uh, yeah. A lot. Um, but my writing style, it's funny you should say that, uh, Pear, because I was just about to say that Nathan, I think when, I don't know, when, when we released uh, episode four that mm -hmm. you are in, you sort of tweeted, I think, that, oh, it's a, it's a drama that I'm in now. Uh, that's sort of unusual for me. Mm. And I was like, well, yes, it is, because Y2K is a drama. But for me, your episode is a sort of comedic episode. Oh yeah, it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely the most lighthearted of. It was it was um really interesting, like listening to the first season to kind of get the vibe of the show, mm. and then seeing the script of my episode and yeah. being kind of like, oh, Gray is low key an idiot, and we can kind of make <laughs> like some levity here amongst the kind of like emotional drama. Yeah. But in general, um, because I yeah. as I said, my background is in in tabletop rpgs where mm. i work in like trashy genre fiction a lot um right <laughs> so <laughs> that energy is very very different from yeah. the kind of energy for 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 uh, y2k for i mean this. i don't i don't have a laser sword i'm not destroying <laughs> a corporation uh, we're not diving into brain palaces or anything like that so it's like oh this is you know a very grounded measured experience even if we do have the jokes and that's new for me that's definitely new for yeah. me it kind of tested that's my a... skills as an actor a little bit <laughs> it, it's a non-visual medium you, you may have a laser sword all along but just in time. Yeah, time. okay, maybe everyone is carrying a, a lightsaber, you know? I mean, you'd hear it in the sound design. The sound design of the show is very good, so they'd probably be able to work that in if it was true. <laughs> yes, that is true. But I mean, to come back to that, I mean, I think I write drama, whatever else I try to write. I do tend to ground it very emotionally. And I do sit there and, you know, I write and I cry a lot, even when it's funny, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's just what I do, I guess. So, so yeah, I, I hope that answers your question, Pear, that it's standalone in season two, definitely. Uh, but yeah, oh yeah, the death, I did not think about tarot, probably because I didn't, I don't know that much about tarot. Oh, no, it, it's not like that was not the first thing, like, it's just, mm. um... When I was a teenager, I played like the Persona games, so I I now permanently have tarot in the, on the brain. But mm, that's, right. that doesn't have an awful lot to do with like it, it's mostly like it gave me a vibe of having a theme of mm. um, the end of the old and beginning of the new, mm. and that may just be the three episodes that I listened to because again, small yeah. sample size. But yeah. that's why I wanted to ask. Mm. Not intentionally. It seems that I have a sort of um, for episodes four five and six certainly i have a sort of unintentional wedding theme huh. um which just kind of happened uh i mean you mentioned nathan that your character gray he he is a, he's planning a wedding that uh -huh. is what he's talking about and what his his partner is sort of the driving force in that and he is definitely on board but he's also sort of uh moaning about um uh, you know 
place cards and flowers AT and all that stuff. Having to yes. address AT invites drove some spare. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I basically just drew for my own wedding planning um, mm. 11 years ago and just fed that into his frustration. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, uh, I wanted to, to ask a question that is a listener question. Um, mm -hmm. That is that is from Denise, one of our patrons. Uh, she says, I'm wondering how do cast members describe this podcast to other people because of the difficult subject matter? And I'm thinking this is mainly for season one. Mm -hmm. So probably this question might be mostly for Kirsty. But I've had a challenge with this as well because... It's a very sort of slow, season one is a very sort of slow burn story. And you don't understand that it's going to be having really horrible things happening emotionally and also abuse, like abuse and various mm -hmm. uh, situations that are really emotionally tough until you've listened to a lot of episodes. So I'm guessing I'm going to ask Kirsty this question. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting because I, I don't think I've actually really spoken to mm. people when I could actually talk about mm. it freely and it was more like before yeah. it was before all of that was releasing um so I haven't really had to do that before yeah, that's <laughs> it, it would be very I, I think that would be quite quite a challenge to do because it's like like Karen said it is a very slow burn and I'm not I think it's it's not until it's not until like mm. June that you actually start start kind of seeing that you know things aren't as yeah. perfect as perfect as they first appear to be um yeah you get hints yeah I, yeah, yeah and it's just I remember like um I had read the script so when I was starting to listen to mm. it and you know um Kat was um starting to date uh, date Jono um and I, I remember I was just driving down the hill just as I left work and I was just yelling, Cat, no, stop now! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, that makes perfect sense. I might actually turn this over to Jackie because you also have a, a show of your own that you might not quite understand from the beginning uh, that it does deal with tough things. Yeah, I... It's a really interesting question. And I, the second you asked it, I was just like, oh my God. Like, and I think <laughs> part of it is, so my writing partner, Molly, and I, I mean, we have per episode content warnings, but obviously that is not really mm. speaking to this particular question. One thing we've done unintentionally, but I think it sort of speaks to this, is we, you know, both have writing backgrounds where we talk a lot in our MFA where we met about kind of teaching the reader how to read the essay or the short story or whatever. And so I think even if particular topics are not coming up in the first handful of episodes, we're starting to teach listeners kind of what types of material they can expect from our show. And they're learning that it's, um, I mean, it's sci-fi, so it's not as realistic as Y2K, but it's grounded in a very, like, naturalistic acting style and approach to material. I think emotionally, it's, it feels very realistic. Uh, hmm. I love Pasithea Powder. I'm oh my god, fan. thank you. <laughs> Which uh, is why I roped Jackie in for this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I feel like Y2K might be similar, where... Even if the really heavy stuff is not apparent from the get-go, the listeners are cued into the fact that this is a world where things happen. Mm. Yeah. Yes, because I actually I got this question and I've been thinking about this because I did not think about this from the start at all. 
I was just so caught up in, I had this story to tell and it was so obvious to me what the story was that I didn't really understand that, of course, it's not obvious to anyone else but me (laughs) that this story is going to be really tough and emotional and take listeners on a, like a really tough journey. So I'm now thinking, oh dear, what did I do? But then, you know, it's done now. (laughs) So I don't know. Do you have, uh, Nathan or Per, do you have anything, any thoughts on this? Um, Because your episodes aren't that heavy. No, no, not super heavy. But I I definitely can see there being a a big draw to a show that um, makes its major conflict through quite um, real relationship drama. I I think there's like a lot of catharsis in there, uh, especially because um, talking about things like abuse or miscarriages and similar uh, are things Mm. that are deemed unacceptable to discuss in polite company. Mm. Uh, So there might be people who are going through that kind of thing and don't really have anybody to really talk about that with or don't want to bring Mm. it up. Um, So it's neat that there is, you know, audio drama out there that goes and cover those topics and there could be like, oh, there are other people who are going through the same stuff. I get it. There's like, you know, there are are, uh, other people who understand the the struggle and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, I, I, and yet, you know, I don't want to spoil season one, so I don't want to, it's hard, you know, because you don't want to say... This is about an abusive relationship, and the this character uh, is not to be trusted and is going to be uh, very horrible uh, very quickly. Uh, but you're not going to understand how horrible until the very end. You know, it's it's one of those. It's yeah, it's it's hard. It's probably one of those where it's a hard show to kind of sell. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I didn't understand that. I just wrote what you know. I wanted maybe to that write. makes a uh, season two good onboarding because uh, you know previously mm. discussed the individual yeah. vignettes you can listen to yeah. without necessarily knowing previous and knowing so. that you know. Uh, I'm enjoying season two, and I know that season one gets kind of grim, but I'm prepared and ready yeah. to see the backstory and the struggle. So you get a whole new group of people. Uh, this yeah. may be the one time where my perspective comes in handy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I think I got a pretty good uh, microgasm of mm. uh, this whole, like, Jano arc you're describing, because uh, it, it, like, his episode does kind of effectively show, like, oh, th- this man is made out of red flags, but also <laughs> he... Um, has some, like he he knows how to carry himself like he ha- mm. he's not without redeeming qualities even if you know you probably shouldn't get with him mm. <laughs> uh, no. so it, it's like you, you can see how someone would start a relationship with him but you yeah. can't really see how uh someone would maintain one mm. um, yeah that seems to be what you're going for mm-hmm. yeah that good thank you i'm so glad <laughs> you picked up on that <laughs> How about we move on to uh, one of your questions, uh, Kirsty? What did you have that you were thinking uh, about, and who's it for? So, um, this is for everyone. So, what aspect of the show in this covers anything related to it? What was like the most enjoyable bit for you? Mm. Uh, Sorry to make it so. Good. <laughs> <laughs> no, Pick someone you. to start, Kirsty. Um, if we start with Nathan? Sure, no problem. Yeah, I really enjoyed the 
the framing of season one and the kind mm. of like time capsule nature of it and the slow realizations of the content in and I guess the horror of but not necessarily in the like genre sense but you get what I mean um, yes. <laughs> yeah. that framing yeah, that device was really cool I really like that um, oh, and that, cool. that I think that really compartmentalized everything really well and uh, made the episode length work um, because they're, they're relatively shorter mm-hmm. compared to the average like podcast mm. which runs for an hour and a half two hours mm-hmm. so them being bite-sized <laughs> like that I mean I listen to a lot of talk shows <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh yeah that that kind of framing really worked I really dug that cool yeah. thank you yeah cool um a pair um yeah, let's see uh could be your experience as well uh yeah later, right I liked getting to be like uh, going from casual to like sort of uh, jokingly over traumatic that's um something to do it's yeah yeah it, it's kind of funny that i had to do a or, or was asked to do a very naturalistic role in a point mm. in my life where i'm not really sure what my normal voice sounds like, or should sound like. <laughs> uh, so that's interesting i uh hope that came out all right it definitely Mm -hmm. did i'm dialogue editing your episode as we speak (laughs) (laughs) um karen right for me um uh, okay i i think for for season two the most amazing thing for me has been the table reads just meeting all of you and it's been it's been so much fun and you have like brought in so much energy and and ideas about characters and reactions and just seeing like or hearing but also seeing your faces you know as <laughs> as you sort of embody the characters that I sat there and I just wrote them and I was like oh okay there needs to be another character here oops I need to cast a new person oh dear okay well apparently I need to do this uh, and then to have that all sort of come together in the table reads has been for me such a joy and then Kirsty, you were in um, the table read for the very last episode, and the last two episodes, uh, for different reasons, I basically just cried my way through those table Aww. reads. <laughs> it was very emotional, and yeah. uh, but also very lovely because you know, uh, mm-hmm. season one I had uh, like twelve regular actors and then I had four guest actors so I had 16 actors in total and for season two just to be able to bring in all these amazing talented people that I admire and that I just wanted to sort of write something for or that I had the perfect thing for has just been so lovely yeah Um, and then Jackie? I I have so many answers to this, but I'll try to keep it down to two. So I, I'm just so impressed by the project of season one, just like the length of it, the consistency of it. And listeners, patrons might not know, but it's like now I know being on this side, it's such a well-oiled machine behind the scenes in terms Aww. of timing and scheduling. And I'm just like, that makes the the feat of season one even more impressive so i'm just like wowed by that um but then when it comes to sort of my own experience i just really enjoyed the opportunity to play someone who's so like i don't know if heather's like a sunny person but it was a sunny experience to voice Uh her because um i usually spend a lot of my time voicing a kind of angsty like (laughs) yes 
emotionally constipated person. Um, and so it was fun to play someone who just says what she's thinking. Uh, it's perfect. Uh, and Kirstie, do you want to answer this yourself? Um, yes. Um, sorry, I forgot. Um, so for, for me, um, like yourself, Karen, um, I found that the table reads to be the, the most enjoyable bit. Um, unfortunately, with, with most of the, the roles that I do um, in voiceover, it's that I record them all alone with no one talking to me um, in mm. my garage, and it's quite lonely. And it's really nice to just ha- have a laugh with with friends mm. and get to um and it's just like the, the human connection as well as being mm. able to like act off other people as well is is just is um it's really fun and um it was um yeah it's just it's just so much fun and there's just like little silly things that you get to do mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um just with like the the energy that um like Hem as well. Like, mm. I'm so looking forward to episode 12 when that comes out. Yes. Hem Cleveland <laughs> of The Lucky Die and uh, The White Vault is in mm. episode 12. And uh, she voices this pretty wacky character, basically. <laughs> yeah. So uh, spoilers <laughs> yeah. for that one. Uh, so, yeah. Nathan, did you have a question? Yeah, 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 I did. I did. Um, I, I'm always fascinated about uh the way that we i guess like train ourselves or bring skills from other areas into the stuff that we do uh for for Mm. me voice acting is is more of a uh it's not my primary like career or source of income but i find that all my other hobbies like doing stuff like tabletop rpgs and the skills of being an actor in those then filtered into my ability to do voice acting so i was like i wanted to know like what are y'all's hobbies and whether they have had an effect on your voice acting or script writing stuff or vice versa yeah hand it over to someone (laughs) oh uh let's give it over to jackie first Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) During the pandemic, I think a lot of people have asked me what my hobbies are, and I'm like coming to the crushing realization that I don't think I have any hobbies. Um, Oh, for real? You make uh, audio drama. That's a hobby. I do, I do, but at this point does not feel like a hobby. Um, (laughs) I know what you mean. (laughs) Right. I think... well, okay. I'm a I'm a big reader. Um, mm. I read a lot, and I think um, that experience. And I listen to a lot of nonfiction podcasts, and I think that experience of sort of taking on and having empathy for like this whole host of fictional characters or real people who I'm never gonna meet because I just listen to them talk about true crime. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, especially in a year when I've been very isolated from the people I know in real life, it's been useful to sort of have those multiple voices and kind of multiple sources of inspiration to draw on when it comes to either voice acting or writing or whatever mm. it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Let's keep going this way. Let's go for uh, Kirsty. Um, so, uh, some hobbies, um, well, there's the one, one that I, I used to do, but I, I can't really at the moment, uh, cause of pandemic, um, is, um, I used to dance, uh, a lot and, um, I also, uh, used to take part in, um, like my local, uh, 
uh, amateur dramatic mm. uh, groups mm. where I'd perform musical theatre. So that, well, that kind of led me to start doing mm. um, voiceover because I, I wanted to do acting, but I couldn't really get anywhere to do it. Whereas <laughs> like with voiceover, you can you can do it remotely. You can do it online with people, which is mm. um, one of the reasons why I started doing it. Mm. So um, I think because I, I do uh, tap dancing, oh. so it is... You have to you have to be precise on the music because if you fuck up, you people will hear you fuck mm-hmm. up. If it's you gonna know? be out of beat, yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah. <laughs> there was a period of time where I was like, oh, I really want to learn about different theatre acting techniques and what's the difference okay. between uh, Chekhov mm. acting versus classical versus method. And one of the interesting mm-hmm. things about apparently in like classical acting school, they specifically teach you dance because control over one's body is super useful. For your acting skills, and what more trial by fire is there than tap dancing of perfect control of one's body? Wow. Yeah. So I mean, like, like you were saying, like the control of one's body. I think is like the musicality and that that you that you need when you dance. Um, not not just in tap, but like other styles of dance. Um, musicality is really important. Mm. I think that can help inform your acting and like the decisions uh, that you make as well. Um, and then obviously that, that feeds further into um, voiceover as well. Oh, heck yeah. 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 Take it away, Pat. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's see. Um, I've studied languages, which mm-hmm. probably mm. helps in ways that I cannot quite quantify because they're already firmly ingrained. Mm. And well, although I uh, haven't gotten into voice acting has helped me uh, reduce my amount of accent. So that's mm-hmm. nice uh, or at least control it a little bit more uh, I've also actually uh, a lot of uh, tabletop RPGs like mm-hmm. they're a very mm-hmm. good way to just try things in a low risk environment at least if you're not podcasting which I've only done a couple of times mm-hmm. like podcasting not, not podcasting and uh, yeah um, I mean kind of elephant in a room where there's like being trans which uh mm-hmm. <laughs> It mm. does tend to lend you a certain amount of control over your voice mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm. yeah for no, fairly obvious reasons yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i uh I, I definitely hear you with regards to uh, how tabletop can be a, a good vehicle for um, exploring like character voices specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I am I'm astoundingly bad with accents. I, ca- I can't do those. I think I think once the world stops being Same. on fire, I might um, go and do like a vocal coach course and see if I can teach myself an accent or two. Um, <laughs> for shows like this, the kind of character voices that I can do would be wildly inappropriate. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Grey would sound like this particularly, although I do enjoy doing this voice pretty regularly. Um, <laughs> so, like, <laughs> yeah, being able to do, find a space to do silly voices like that is great. And then when there is one that you can use in a wider bunch of things, you're like, yeah, I taught myself how to do that. So I absolutely feel you uh, with, with tabletop uh, working really well. Uh, with, yeah, which with, uh... does actually um if we have some time over at the end of this like i i do want to ask you about the rpg you're designing oh that, for sure i will i i mean you know um i I'd, i i can talk about that all day but maybe maybe later <laughs> um, but for now but for now uh karen what kind of uh hobbies have you kind of like uh found reflected in the stuff that you're doing with audio drama yeah i mean 
For me, it's a sort of sequential. I mean, I'm I'm a nerd, um, as you probably realize, and I nerd myself into things. Hmm. So um, <laughs> I started a nonfiction podcast in 2018, talking hmm. about uh, nerd pop culture stuff with my friends in Swedish, um, which led to me starting to listening to audio drama, which led to me starting voice acting, which led to me creating an audio drama and writing. And then I realized, okay, I've basically written something that is longer than most novels. Mm. Maybe I can <laughs> write stuff. Huh. So now I'm sort of thinking or preparing or something uh, for writing uh, a novel, I think. Do it. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. But that's kind of what I'm doing now. So it's very sort of... And as I'm a drama teacher, theater is always very sort of close for me and voice work. And I I used to sing a long time ago, so I have that as well. The musicality that you were talking about, Christy, I think that mm. definitely does help in sort of pacing with voice work and stuff like that. And definitely all the all the millions of breathing techniques from both singing mm. and and drama <laughs> is very helpful. She's a triple threat, everybody. Watch out. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or I used to be. But so I think what my friends have sort of told me this past horrible year where we haven't been able to hang out mm. properly is, oh, you're so lucky your hobbies are basically all online right now. And it's true <laughs> yeah, because they are. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I think came up in our table read pair, I've done some uh, some D&D &D for the first time in like 15 years mm -hmm. uh, with him and the lucky die, which has been amazing. And I love it so much. And that's a completely different way of characterization and of telling stories. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, it's always, I love telling stories. And then that pops out in like 50 zillion <laughs> different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah the, there, there's definitely, uh, there's something sort of musical-ish about D&D in that mm. like every... Every couple of hours, everything has to stop because there are so many rules for combat that you can't really not do that. <laughs> I would 100% like just watch a short film on D&D where every combat encounter is just an impromptu musical number. I've actually done a musical improv. I used to teach musical improv with a, a, a piano teacher mm. and he would sort of improvise on the piano as people were singing mm -hmm. and it, it's the most amazingly weird thing because you do not believe that you can do that nobody mm. believes they can do it but when you're there and there's an audience and there's a sort of scene and there's a piano you just kind of start singing and go i have no clue what i'm doing but mm -hmm. here we go uh but yeah so i'm i think it's definitely possible pair to yeah, do that like a D, D with improv mm -hmm. singing mm -hmm. uh, it's I'm not really improv song but i have played a part where i wrote limericks <laughs> in between combat rounds ah. i mean that spells. is beautiful mm. <laughs> yeah i uh, did I you, you answer your own the... question nathan oh, oh sure sorry. sure sure um <laughs> Uh, I, I thought you, would be, you were going to go in the direction of like the musical theory is like, you know, when you're too emotional to speak, you sing. And when you're too emotional to sing, you dance. And when you're too emotional to dance, you pull out your sword and chop someone's head off. Anyway. Uh, um, Don't put me in a situation. <laughs> I get really emotional. I am sorry. Anyway, uh, as, anyway. as for me, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, um, my professional background in broadcasting 
uh, mm. has all been obviously very behind the camera as a researcher and you go and think really hard about how the product is made and my career path in that is getting better at being behind the camera and thinking about how the product is made but there was a certain part in the process a couple of years ago where I was like oh I can see this like diverging where I can continue to go out the road of like producer and stuff or I could be in front of camera and be a uh-huh. charismatic person and do, <laughs> uh, I, I've been told on a handful of occasions, I have a very good f- voice for radio uh, <laughs> and an excellent face for streaming, but. I was um, going to say, at least it's not a face for radio. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, uh, and so I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Let's go take that seriously. Mm. Um, in a similar way to Karen, my uh, initial kind of experience with podcasting is getting all my friends where we talked mm. about video game news together like that was an original idea to make a podcast about <laughs> uh, you can't find any episodes of those anymore they're gone um, <laughs> uh, but yeah uh, uh, the moving from that refers to plugging do not find my early work surely <laughs> every artist web. is like that where it's like I've learned to do things better please don't look at my original work <laughs> Sometimes it's nice to see how yeah. far you've come, but please do not perceive. Um. <laughs> yeah, I'm very glad my very first, because um, I had a break for um, when I was uni doing a voiceover. Mm. So there is stuff from when I was 15 doing stuff. And oh my gosh, it is a hot, hot mess. Mm. I'm so glad it's like just been deleted permanently off YouTube. <laughs> I, I was a child reader. Like there are uh, there are recordings of me at like age eight or nine reading articles that are probably permanently on record somewhere. Mm. I mean, it it sounds adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is lovely. I think Jackie is the the one with the question now. Yes. Um, I have. Well, I think maybe I have a care. Uh, I have a question for Karen and Kirsty, which is mm. how either writing or performing. What was the shift from monologue heavy epistolary to dialogue heavy like? Um, you Ooh. sort of talked about this a little bit earlier, but I'm ah. curious about the behind the scenes do you want me to start and talk about the writing and then Christy can talk about the experience of voicing um so for me it was kind of I think I've talked about this a few times before that Y2K for me originally was a very simple idea with two friends sending each other voicemails and it was going to be all monologues and simple that's what we all say (laughs) yes (laughs) and then I kind of I kind of happened to my own story and brought in all these characters, these other characters, first um, Olivia and then uh, another nine characters on board. Um, (laughs) And they all sort of stumbled into each other's recordings in various ways. So writing, I did start writing a lot of monologues. And for season one, it is a lot of monologues towards the end as well, but they're being more and more broken up. And from a writing point of view, I enjoy writing a dialogue more. I found from a sound design point of view, dialogue is so much more complicated. So <laughs> sticking with monologues would have been better. Uh, but yeah, Kirsty, uh, how was that for you, voicing it? Um, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you, Karen. It's, it's easier to voice dialogue mm. than it is monologue because it is so 
so insanely hard to do a clean take of a monologue. Mm. Mm. It's just, it's so difficult. And I think, Karen, <laughs> towards the end, you gave me leeway to only, if, if, if I did one clean take all the yeah. way through, I only had to do two rather than three go through. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so... Yeah. Which led to yeah, you having we... loads of sort of oh damn I I blooped it right at the end of the <laughs> yeah there were loads of yeah those. and it was just yeah I, I don't know if you've listened to anything from episode twelve but my issue for season twelve was, why am I saying season twelve instead of episode <laughs> oh my gosh I cannot hear today it's, it's been it's been a <laughs> yes. it's, it's been a long day I've I've actually gone on to site for work today. Mm. And I, commute like an hour there oh. and then an hour back basically mm. so and through the meme rain but so yeah so for episode 12 the issue that i found for season two is that um between recording season one season two i have um in certain emotional states acquired a birmingham maxim ah. <laughs> which olivia does not have interesting <laughs> she, does, she does not have wow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's some stuff with the bloopers, but when we did the read-through, Karen was like, that's not how you say the word work. That's not how you say work. <laughs> that's not how Olivia I... says work. That's how you say no. it. <laughs> yeah. No, but I didn't say it in 2019, but now, now 2021 yeah. says it like work. Ah. Yeah, and it's beautiful, but it's not Olivia. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. no. It's 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 normally when I'm annoyed at people that it, it comes out. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so it probably happens in the bloopers. Yeah, yeah. I've listened. I've only listened to the end, actually, Kirsty, of your recording, uh, oh, where okay. you're very emotional and you're like, uh, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> I am. I'm so sorry about that." <laughs> Because I think you and I are very similar in that, Christine, that we get very emotional oh when we have to say goodbye to things. So I yeah. know, I know. It was like the last time. Well, the last time I thought I was going to say mm. welcome to the yeah. well, um, to the year two thousand. I started crying after that in season yeah. one. And, oh yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's been a, it's been a journey. It really has as for us, especially <laughs> definitely. It's, it's been yeah, very definitely. Long. <laughs> I, I can only imagine it has. lovely i think we are at the end of our interview is there anything before i ask you to sort of plug your stuff and tell people where to find you is there anything you wanted to talk about or say that you haven't gotten the chance to either of you that you were thinking oh i hope that this comes up or i want to say that thing this is a really hard question to answer right (laughs) (laughs) i mean sometimes there's that idea that's floating but i think i covered everything i wanted to say about Uh, beautiful (laughs) it's been amazing talking to the four of you and uh, now i'm gonna ask you to plug your stuff and tell everyone where to find you and i'm gonna start with pear all right um i uh yeah i go by pear or uh, at raculent pear if you would like to uh find me on twitter where I am open to be commissioned, wink, wink. <laughs> and yeah, uh, other than that, I haven't really been uh, in a lot of stable things. I have been in a couple of tabletop RPG uh, one-shots, which mm-hmm. you can probably find somewhere on YouTube. I'm going to negative plug that because <laughs> I don't have them collected in my hat. <laughs> That's beautiful. And, uh, 
yeah, that that is uh, that is about it. It's probably you can probably most easily find it on the uh, on the website uh, mm-hmm. of Y2K Pod because yeah. uh, regular pair is not a real word, so you might not get <laughs> how to spell it from how I'm saying it right now. I'll put that in the uh, show notes for this episode as well. Uh, Jackie. All right. Um, Twitter is where to find me. You can find me at Jackie Hedeman. And then also, uh, I may have mentioned my show, The Pasithea Powder, (laughs) which you can also find. uh, We have a website. We're on Twitter. uh, It's everywhere. Um, And if you like naturalistic acting and and epistolary hook that devolves into dialogue, you should listen. <laughs> Definitely. Nathan. Hi, hi, yes. Once again, I am the epitome of queer villainy with painted nails that rend flesh, Nathan Blades. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Phantom Arts Ent, Phantom Arts ENT, uh, where we uh, cover all the large projects that I do. Uh, I also stream tabletop RPGs in a wide variety of video games that we discuss as media texts. Uh, you can find that at twitch.tv forward slash The Neon Caster. The thing to actively plug relatively recently, I uh, have one of my games in a book curated by famous tabletop person James D'Amato, the ultimate Mm. micro RPG book with uh, 40 games written by 40 people. Uh, The publishers of that sent me uh, several bonus copies of that, and I am giving them uh, away to people uh, for free if they send me a recording of any of my games. Uh, which better what better way to get a free book of games than to play one of mine um <laughs> so yeah yeah if you go go to twitter uh I, once again at phantom arts ent you can see all the games that i have made go record them since you're into podcasts since you're listening to this and you may also retrieve a free book from me signed yes <laughs> oh brilliant christy um, so you can find me on uh, um, most, mostly Twitter um, at Kirsty Wolven, which is K-I-R-S-T-Y-W-O-O-L-V-E-N. I'm very used to having to spell that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so that's just mostly where I hang out. Um, other projects that I'm involved with at the moment are um, I play um, Cory on the Kingry by Pendant Audio. Um, are currently doing season 11 I think um so that is basically kind of imagine sci-fi meets godfather Mm. set in a casino Mm. um yes yes (laughs) yes so handful of other stuff that I do as well um and then um at the moment I'm writing a couple of my own projects and they are just plodding along so probably if you just keep following um at Kirsty Wolven, you will find something about um, uh, audio drama called Arrivals and also Stiegel as well. Yeah, which one of those so, will come first? Do you think, Kirsty? Um, I believe Stiegel will now okay. come out first. Cool, because I am waiting with bated breath for for either of those <laughs> to drop. <laughs> you said yeah. sci-fi meets Godfather, and then I just couldn't hear anything because the word <laughs> mob stars was stuck in my head. Oh, <laughs> oh no! Oh, that's good. So, yeah. <laughs> Right. And uh, you can find me on all the at uh, Y2K pod uh, social media handles or myself at Karen Haim. That's K-A-R-I-N-H-E-I-M. And all of the information uh, should be in the show notes if I did my job right. And also on Y2K pod 
Thank you so much for taking part in this. And uh, well, we like to end everything with oceans of hugs, if you are uh, comfortable with that. So uh, oceans of hugs, everyone. Oceans, oceans of, of hugs. hugs. Oceans of hugs. Oceans of hugs. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>